Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Monday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby. I'm joined by Mary Kay Cabot. This is a Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast, and we are back to normal here, Mary Kay. Uh, you were off for two weeks. I took last week off, so we are back at it. Uh, no pre-recorded. I guess all our podcasts are technically pre-recorded, but you know what I mean. No pre-recorded podcasts. Uh, we are recording this on Monday. It will go up on Monday. It's going to be a Hey Mary Kay edition of the pod. But, you know, our first question was, uh, Hey Mary Kay, first things first. This comes from Bruce Moore in West Palm Beach, Florida. Tell us about your vacation. All right. Well, I'd be more than happy to tell you about my <laughs> we, vacation. We also had somebody else ask how Adele was. So people want to know how you spent these last two weeks. Yes. Okay. So um, it it began with a trip to Vegas to celebrate um, my anniversary, a special anniversary with my husband. And uh, our wedding anniversary is on July 2nd. So we splurged and got some very expensive tickets to Adele. Um, but it was so well worth it. She was phenomenal. It was at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas, a small venue, and she was just spectacular. And I, I actually would save my pennies and see it again. That's how good it was. Uh, she personalized it. Everything about it was just fantastic. And so I'm so happy that we did that. And then, um, then I think people on this podcast have heard me say before that, um, you know, that our daughter is, uh, you know, an acrobat, at, you know, in, in the circus world, um, you know, in sort of Cirque du Soleil type performances. And um, so we went to two Cirque shows while we were out in Vegas. We kind of support circus arts and circus shows because of her. Uh, so we went to the Beatles sh- uh, Cirque show and then we went to another one called the Mad Apple Circus. Both were great. I would recommend both of them highly, especially if you love the Beatles. It's all set to Beatles mu- music, obviously. But that was so much fun. We had a great time. It was 116 degrees in Vegas, though. So when we were outside during the day hanging out at the pool, which is what we really love to do, um, we had to be mostly in the pool. We had to almost be, we had to mostly be in the pool. And then someday I'll tell you guys a funny story when we're going through our Ask Me Anything about how uh, my husband, on the last day that we were there, we spent a little time at the pool and he almost picked a fight with a guy that looked like Apollo Creed. And my husband, for some reason, thought that he could take this guy. And he would, he would have gotten flattened like a little bug. And, uh, (laughs) but so I do have a funny story about that. So Bill and I end up laughing about that. Yeah. We, we need to do like maybe one more ask me anything before the season starts here, before we get into training, maybe we'll, we'll we'll try and squeeze one of those in this week um, or or something, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. I need to, I need to hear that story for sure. I'm sure I'll hear it at the Greenbrier here coming up to later this week, but I, I think our podcast listeners need to hear it uh, as well. So that was, that was good. Um, I, I made a, a trip to Cedar point with my daughter. She's apparently a big roller coaster junkie all of a sudden. So we did that. Um, Lake Erie, very underrated, by the way. We also went up to Geneva, which is, so that was kind of fun. We kind of did the little stay at home, kind of do stuff around. We're, we're kind of saving our big trip for next year when my son's going into his senior year of high school and all that stuff. So um, we, we just kind of did the stay at home stuff. But yeah, my daughter, a roller coaster junkie, apparently. But I'll say this, we got lucky because we walked in and one of the first rides you see, I think it's called the Raptor. It's the green one that hangs upside down. 
And the line was pretty short, so we jumped in line. And probably had we gotten there 15 minutes earlier, we would have been in the group that literally just got stuck on the hill and was oh, no. sitting there on the hill for it had to be like an, at least an hour. Like we saw them when we'd walk by, we'd see that just this this car stuck going up the hill. So we were lucky that we were a little slow getting moving in the morning, I guess. Oh my gosh. Fortunately, they weren't stuck upside down. Can no. you imagine that? <laughs> no, that would, that would be miserable. <laughs> oh um, my <laughs> gosh. That's scary. Well, anyways, um, so Dan, you need to provide us with some video next time you and Charlotte are on <laughs> one of these big roller coasters. So we will be expecting that. She's she's braver than I am. I'm not going to lie, um, because there was one we were going to ride. I think it was Millennium Force. And I was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. And I sort of did the whole, are you sure? Like we were getting closer. I'm like, you know, if you don't want to do this, we can we can get out of line. And she looked at me. And she's like, oh, no, I'm going on this. <laughs> OK, that's awesome. <laughs> um, there is a bit of news we want to get to as well before we, we get into questions from our Football Insider subscribers, and that is DeAndre Hopkins signing with the Titans. Not a big surprise. You've been saying here on this podcast uh, and just kind of reinforcing in other er- uh, in other spots that uh, DeAndre Hopkins to the Browns likely was not going to happen. Uh, it obviously did not happen. He ends up going to the first team he visited, the Titans. I guess for me, though, Mary Kay, my first thought was like, I don't know outside of money, and maybe that's what it was about. I don't know what Tennessee offers DeAndre Hopkins. Um, that I mean, certainly had Cle- had he come to Cleveland for a visit and just compared the two teams, money out of the equation, the Browns would have been a no-brainer. Um, do, do you think this was ultimately about what Tennessee paid him? Why, why do you think he chose the Titans? And also, like, is there still a part of you that wishes the Browns would have maybe pushed a little harder? Yeah, there is a part of me that wishes the Browns would have pushed a little harder and shown a little bit more interest. I don't think they wanted to rock the boat. I think they were very happy with what they put together in their receiver room. I don't think they wanted to upset the apple cart that much. That's a huge presence that you'd be dropping into the middle of the room. Uh, so I just don't think they were up for doing that. I think a lot of what we heard from Deshaun Watson when he was supporting DeAndre Hopkins and talking about wanting to have him come here, uh, I, I think it was, you know, in some ways an effort to really help get his name out there and, you know, make people realize how valuable of a receiver he is. I think the reason why he ended up in Tennessee is because the market for him at that point just wasn't there at the time. Uh, you know, he only went and visited the Titans and then he went to visit the Patriots. He never even came into Cleveland, which I thought would have been an absolute no brainer. At least bring him in, hear what he has to say. But I think that shows you just sort of the lack of genuine interest in signing him that they didn't even bring him in. Uh, so yes, I'm sure it came down to money. The Patriots probably did not have as much money as the Titans did. Uh, he got a pretty good deal. Two years, $26 million. 12 base this year with the chance to make 15. Um, the 26 can go up to, I think, 32. Um, so, you know, that's pretty good this late in the game. Uh, as, as far as what the Titans have to offer, they don't really have many of the things on his checklist. He really wanted that elite quarterback, which Deshaun was and a lot of others were. He had a list of teams and criteria, and he certainly had a list of really good quarterbacks that he wanted to play for. And Ryan Tannehill was not on that list. So I think at this point he kind of had to take what he could get. And, you know, that's what happens sometimes to a player uh, who is 31 years old and 
in the du- double digit million range. So certainly not what he was hoping for or expecting. Um, but as we know, the Browns will see him in week three here in Cleveland now. Yeah, I feel like we've seen this movie before where, <laughs> you know, I, I can just envision the Browns start the season 2-0 and and everybody's riding high and they come home to face the Titans. And there's our old buddy Mike Vrabel and DeAndre Hopkins uh, just raining on everybody's parade in, in week three. Uh, but what I mean, it is what it is. I Again, I don't know if the Browns would have paid him that much money. I just I do feel like maybe they could have or, or should have put on a little bit more of a full court press. You know, one, maybe just for Deshaun Watson, you know, to show him, you know, just in good faith with him. Uh, But also just, I I think they could have used him. I think there, I think there was a place for him on this roster. And it just, it feels to me like Andrew and and Kevin maybe disagree with that notion that they're really happy with the group they have, um, which they're the ones in charge. They get, they get paid all the money to make those decisions. So, so we'll ride with it. But I would have liked to have seen them push for DeAndre a little harder. Yeah, they they were happy with what they had. And and like you said, uh, you know, when can you not use a DeAndre Hopkins if you're trying to get to the Super Bowl? I mean, it certainly can't hurt to have a player like that on your roster. And as we have seen so many times before, Andrew Barry knows how to get a guy onto the roster, onto the football team and pay him about one point two million dollars or two million dollars in his first year. You give him the upfront money. You lower that base salary. You keep your cap low. You have to come up with cash, but the Browns have the cash. Jimmy Haslam has the cash. So if they had wanted to do it, they could have done it. Uh, they chose not to, didn't need to, uh, you know, for their sake, hopefully, hopefully for them that Amari Cooper will stay nice and healthy this year because, you know, that would be the, you know, the one place where you would say, boy, we really could have used DeAndre Hopkins now that, you know, Amari's going to be out for a little bit of time. There's one other thing I want to touch on. This is just real quick. Um, but, you know, neither of us had, had an opportunity. Of, you know, Ashley covered it last week, but Deshaun Watson doing the seven-on-seven the seven high school football tournament. We've talked a lot about Deshaun Watson and how complicated things are, but I do kind of think, kind of looking back at that, and he's posted some photos and things from it. You know, th- things like that are really good. It, it was kind of cool to see him do that and sort of embrace, you know, the high school football culture here in, in Cleveland and, and Northeast Ohio. So, um, I, I just kind of, you know, I hope we get to kind of see him do some more of that now in, in year two, where he's a little more comfortable in Cleveland, being the Browns starting quarterback, the, you know, and, and starting to put all the all the other stuff behind him a, a little bit. Um, I, I, I thought that was a good again, I wasn't there. I, I didn't see the event, uh, but it, it just felt like that was a good opportunity for him to sort of, you know, he's trying to kind of ingratiate himself with the community here. And I thought something like that was you know, we talk a lot about Deshaun and the other stuff. I think we can maybe give a little time to, to something like that, too. Yeah, there there is, you know, one thing that can be said about Deshaun Watson, and this has been the case ever since, I'm sure, back to back to college, probably even back to high school. You know, he had a challenging growing up experience, and um, and I think they were recipients of a Habitat for Humanity and House and things like that. Um and he always has given back to the community. It's one of his strengths. And I remember, you know, I knew Amy Palsik very well when she was the PR director for the Texans. And she would just rave and go on and on and on about the community things that Deshaun Watson would do. And again, as you mentioned, we all know about the other stuff and we report it and we talk about it ad nauseum. Um, 
So he does, you know, have those things that he's had to pay restitution for and pay money for and, and serve an 11 game suspension for. But just in terms of giving back to kids and giving back to the community, that stuff is genuine. It's not just coming out of the woodwork now because he knows he has to rehabilitate his image. He's always done that kind of stuff. And I, from what I can tell, he genuinely enjoys it. He likes working with the kids. He likes working uh, with, un, you know, people that are in unfortunate circumstances and, and need, uh, you know, resources and things like that. So, uh, like you said, good for him for doing that. And I think it's going to be part of his narrative uh, in sort of flipping the script on his whole story. Okay, now let's get into our Hey Mary Kay questions, and we'll start a lot of pre-training camp questions. As you would expect, the Browns will open training camp officially at the end of this week. They will report. Uh, players are going to start reporting, uh, I believe, tomorrow, uh, maybe today. And then uh, the full squad will report on Friday. They'll go out to the Greenbrier to start practicing on Saturday. Chris in Chicago says, Hey Mary Kay, who do you think will be the Browns' biggest surprise positive players this season? And are there any players getting a lot of hype right now that we might need to lower expectations for? Oh, that's a really, really good question. That's a great question um, in terms of a player who might be someone who will be sort of a surprise in terms of their production. We could look at maybe like a Jerome Ford. I mean, Jerome Ford is someone who, if he gets some carries and some uh, some receptions and some targets out of the backfield. I think, you know, he's somebody that could step up and do some things for them. Um, you know, Elijah Moore always comes to mind, but I don't think he falls under the surprise category because I think we expect him to have a really good season. They traded for him, and, and I think that, um, you know, they really – uh, see big things for him. So, you know, I might, maybe I would put David Bell. Now you, you're going to disagree with me on this one because you've got David Bell off the team altogether, but um, you know, maybe, maybe David Bell is sort of the forgotten receiver that kind of comes out of the woodwork a little bit and does some things in his second season. So we'll have to see about that. And then um, I always look at Grant Delpit as somebody who will be another year out of his, away from the torn Achilles and someone who might kind of pop in this Jim Schwartz defense. So uh, those are some that come to mind for me. Yeah, when you said Jerome Ford, there was another name that popped in my head too. And I'm not sure what to expect from this guy. There's as good a chance that he could, you know, be the the candidate for the first part of this question or not make the roster. And that's Demetric Felton. Like if they really like him as a receiving back and, and he is playing more running back this year, I mean, maybe there's a role for him. You know, we had talked about how they're trying to replace Kareem Hunt as sort of a, a two-headed monster there and Jerome Ford and, and Demetric Felton. You know, I wonder if he'll be maybe a part of the receiving game uh, a little more. So I guess he's a guy I'd maybe keep an eye on as a, a name way down the list uh, that you can look for. Um, and I do think, you know, Elijah Moore is tricky to talk about because I think we've talked him up so much, not, not just us, but everyone has these expectations for him that he could be a thousand yard receiver and, you know, really be a big impact guy. But, you know, I do think he could fall into this category because he just, you know, we haven't seen it for a full season yet. So, I mean, he hasn't made that leap to be that guy yet. So I, I think he could fall into this category. Yeah, and he also has to sort of get his career back on track because he started out very strong as a rookie, caught five touchdown passes as a rookie, and then last year kind of fell back to the pack a little bit, only had one touchdown catch, 
you know, struggled up there a little bit just in terms of, you know, where he fit into the scheme of things, had some, you know, issues in terms of, you know, being a little bit disgruntled with his role uh, and whatnot. So uh, he is someone that does have to kind of put himself back out there and establish himself as a potential Pro Bowl receiver. And I think he is one of the reasons why they didn't go out and sign DeAndre Hopkins because they have such high expectations for Elijah Moore. So I would say the bar is set pretty high for him. Okay, let's move on to another training camp question here. This comes from Terry Richards in Peoria, Arizona, and I actually like this line. Welcome back. I'm thrilled that quote-unquote content season is over and the real business of another Brown season will soon be upon us. I think we're all happy that I, I like that phrase, content season, where we're just trying to come up with content to fill the offseason, which I think we do a pretty good job of, by the way. Uh, but we are back to real football. He says, hey, Mary Kay, do you think the week at the Greenbrier is a good idea for this year's training camp? Coming off a few years of wild distractions, wouldn't a good old-fashioned, boring dog days of summer in Berea camp be beneficial to everyone? You know, I actually think that the Greenbrier is an excellent idea. I really do. Because they are getting started so early and they're going to be looking at those same walls of Berea from July 20. They would have been looking at those same walls from July 22nd, if things go as planned, all the way through January, right? And I think that that was going to get pretty old pretty quickly. And even though we've heard some grumblings from the players here and there about maybe not wanting to go spend 10 days at the Greenbrier, I think there are worse places where you could go spend 10 days of your summer. It's supposed to be absolutely beautiful there. It will be a chance for them to get away, close ranks a little bit, tune out some of the distractions as long as they stay out of the casino. Um, right, Dan? <laughs> That's going to be important. Yeah, we, we did get a gambling question. So okay. yeah, stay out of the casino, guys. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But I think that, um, I think it's great. I think that they are going to have some of those bonding activities. I mean, we see Kevin Stefanski try to do little things out in Berea to let these guys, um, you know, to bond and to, to get some laughs in where he, you know, they pull out the basketball hoop in the middle of practice. Well, now... They're going to have pools and they're going to have pickleball courts. These, I bet you these guys will be playing some pickleball and different things like that, right? I mean, I think that um, they're going to have all different kinds of things to do in their free time, including rest. But, um, you know, maybe some of them will go golfing on, on the off day. You never know. Um, you know, there's a bunker that they can visit. I'm sure some guys are history buffs. And they're going to be very interested in going down into the bunker. And if we don't see some of them at practice the next day, we'll know to look in the bunker that they're trapped down there and we have to rescue them and get them out of there. But, you know, I I think that it's a great idea to get these guys out of Berea and into a different environment. I think it will go a long way towards bonding. That would be a story if somebody missed practice because they were stuck in the bunker. (laughs) I don't want to say I'm rooting for that, but I'm kind of rooting for that. Um, You know, to Terry's question, this is actually sort of what he's looking for a little bit, because when you're in Berea, these guys are going home at night. They aren't. I mean, the days of the like everybody staying in a hotel and, you know, I think they have the option to do that now, but it's it's not required. You know, these guys are going home. They're seeing their families and their kids and all that during training camp. And so it's those those days are kind of gone. And this is sort of old school now. You're going to the Greenbrier. You're not, 
you're not at your home location. You're just going to be around your teammates. It's going to be all football all the time. I mean, like you said, they'll, they'll have some downtime. They'll get to, to probably golf or do whatever on the, on the off day. But these first 10 days are going to be sort of an old school training camp. Yeah. And you know what I think it does, Dan? I think it differentiates camp a little bit from the regular season. When you've got training camp right there at your facility, and then you roll right into the season, there's no line of demarcation. There's no like, oh, okay, now we're doing camp and this has a different feel to it. And now we're doing the season. And of course, they're only spending a portion of their time at the Greenbrier. The first nine days of their training camp will be there. They will have eight open practices open to fans. None of them at the Greenbrier are open to fans. So that's going to have a little bit of a weird feel to it. Training camp with no cheering fans and no barking and and none of the stuff, you know, no little puppies being given away. Um, So it's going to have a different vibe, a different feel to it. Uh, But I still think it's going to be good because then they will get to come back to Berea Cross Country Mortgage Campus and have more of what they're used to over the last how many ever years there where they do the, um, you know, all the fans can come out. Uh, and get up close and personal and get autographs and do some of the fun games and things that they have for the kids there. So they get, you know, a little bit of that, a little bit of the green briar, and then almost a a whole week, it'll be five days in Philadelphia. So that'll break it up again. Uh, So I kind of like the vibe. I like what Kevin is doing here. Okay, this kind of goes back to the question we had a couple uh, a couple questions ago. It comes from Steve in Medina. Hey, Mary Kay, who is going to be the darling of training camp? Oh, the darling of training camp. I don't think I really answered um, that other question fully that our, our texter asked. There was a, It was like a two-part question, and I only think I answered the first one of it, so maybe you can go back and refresh my memory on that when you get a chance. But <laughs> um, the darling of training camp is going to be Zadarius Smith. Ooh, that's a good one. Absolutely. He's going to be the darling of training camp. He's kind of got some of that Jadavian Clowney sense of humor where he's always kind of holding court with the guys and he's got people around him laughing. And so I think you're going to see a lot of that. I think he's a big kind of booming presence. And I think you're going to see him coming off the ball very quickly. I think he's going to make an impact in, you know, those defensive line drills when they're going up against the sleds and stuff like that. Uh, you know, they're not allowed to have contact or anything like that. But I do think that. Uh, he's really going to show out and and be a, a very visible presence in camp. How about Marquise Goodwin? That's a good one too. That's a really good one. Yeah, he'll make some big plays. He'll make some kind of wow plays, and then he's going to talk trash and he's going to celebrate and he's going to put on a little show. I think Marquise Goodwin is a guy that like checks those boxes of like what a, a darling in training camp is is going to be. Just somebody who can put on a show, you know, and just make some some ooh and ah type plays. Yeah, he showed some of that during mini camp. Uh, you know, he caught a couple of long bombs, and then on one of them uh, afterwards, you know, he celebrated. You know, while he was on his back in the end zone and did something kind of funny. Uh, so yeah, I think he's got some personality to him. He's got a little bit of flair, which is good. That room needed a little bit of juice. It needed juice. It's not your typical wide receiver room. There, you know, it's 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 really good, good players, but kind of quiet, kind of straight laced. Now you got a little flair in there with, um, you know, I think Cedric brings some flair. I think uh, Marquise brings some. I think Elijah for sure does. So I think the energy changes in the receiver room. I think that's good. I think Marquise could be one of those guys who, like you said, 
uh, puts on a little bit of show during training camp. The question is, are they going to put on the show when it's just us standing there, you know, with our, in some cases, just our phones and some video cameras there? Um, or will they, you know, really kind of wait until they get to Berea and all the fans are there cheering for them uh, before they really turn it on? Yeah, hopefully it won't be the the former, especially because who knows if we're even going to be allowed to shoot it during uh, during some of those days at the Greenbrier, some of that that eleven on eleven stuff. So, right, uh, we'll we'll see. Hopefully it'll hopefully they'll save at least a little for the fans. So let's go back to this other question uh, that Chris had, uh, the second part of that, and it was: uh, Are there any players getting a lot of hype now that we might need to lower expectations for? Does Elijah Moore fit into that category too? <laughs> yes, yes, I think he does. Yes, absolutely. He fits into both categories. He fits into this one because you don't want to really overhype the guy. Um, I think he's going to be really, really good. And so far it looks like that. But, you know, in some ways you don't want to put these enormous expectations on him that he can't live up to. So, um, you know, maybe we do need to tone it down a little bit and sort of stop treating him like he's already Odell Beckham Jr., yeah, that's uh, again. I think he's going to be really good, but mm-hmm. um, you know, you're yeah, probably could temper some expectations for for him at, at least a little. Uh, okay, we're going to take a break, and then when we come back, we'll have some some more Hey Mary Kay questions from our Football Insider subscribers. And back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, uh, back from vacation. So uh, our football insiders sent us these texts. Uh, That's how we got our questions. If you want to become a football insider subscriber, now is the time because training camp is starting. If you've been putting it off, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. You can become one of our texters. You can get a newsletter delivered every day to your inbox. It's written by a member of our Browns reporting team uh, on most days. And you get access to stories on cleveland.com slash Browns that are subscriber only. So again, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info on that and get yourself signed up. Uh, S.L. Smith from Texas. Hey, Mary Kay, some speculation regarding the Browns defensive scheme. Teams in the division will run screens and underneath routes to counter the Browns attacking style, possibly putting pressure on the linebacker group. S.L. believes that Jim Schwartz will counter that with safety or extra linebacker help and extra safety help? What do you think? Well, I definitely think he's going to use extra safety help. He's already told us that. We know uh, that he's going to play three safeties a lot. So there there will be times where you could see uh, th- there's going to be all different kinds of formations, and he will have a plan uh, for every every kind of offense that you could throw at the Browns. Uh, there will be five down linemen at times. Uh, there will be two linebackers on plenty of occasions. And there will be three safeties a lot of times. And uh, and so, yeah, I think that uh, you can expect a little bit of anything, but, or a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, I think they have the versatility uh, in the safety room to, you know, to come up and, and make tackles at the line, to drop into coverage, to get their hands on some footballs. I think you've got the versatility in that linebacking core uh, to do all different kinds of things. I think most of the linebackers can play any of the linebacker positions. And I think a lot of them can do all the things that you need them to do uh, or will be asked to do in this defense. And I think that you've got a player like, like Obo who can, you know, play linebacker for you if you need him to. So there might be times where it looks like they have five linemen, 
but Oboe's actually playing linebacker in that situation. Um, or, you know, or you might have, um, you know, a Juan Thornhill or a Grant Delpit almost playing like a linebacker. So I think that there are so many different things that they can do. And the name of the game with this whole entire defense is going to be versatility. I think you're going to see it across the front. I think you're going to see it at every level of the defense. And I think things are going to look different game to game too. And that's something Jim has meant. Like, you know, it might be Greg Newsom playing nickel one week and then Denzel Ward the next, and then I don't know, Thomas Graham the week after that or, or somebody like that. So a lot of that is going to change. The three safety package might be in one week and out the next. So they're, they're going to do a lot of different, this defense is going to look different week to week. I think that's something that Jim Schwartz said that was really interesting back at the, the end of minicamp too, that, that they're going to play a little bit of the matchup game depending on, on who they've got. Yeah, they, they will definitely do that. And um, I think the interesting thing that we will be watching a lot in the early part of camp is, you know, which of the linebackers are healthy enough to really get out there and, and practice and really kind of give it their all. Because as we've been saying over and over and over again, I mean, those games are going to come fast and furious in September. And by the time they get to their bye week, they will have played three AFC North games. And I mean, we're talking about September already. Okay. We are already starting. It's July 21st on Friday that we're leaving for, I'm leaving on Friday. I think you're leaving on Saturday to go down to the Greenbrier. Are you leaving on Friday or Saturday? Uh, I'm leaving Saturday. Okay. So we're heading down there. Camp is here. It's football time. And before you know it, it's going to be time to play these very important games. So in my mind, it's going to be really important to see who is able to practice because therefore, uh, you know, that informs who is going to be able to play in these wildly important AFC North games in the early part of September. Okay, a question about Marquise Goodwin here that I thought was interesting. Jamie from Bethany, Connecticut. Hey, Mary Kay, I've noticed in discussions about the wide receiver room numbers crunch, Marquise Goodwin is treated as a virtual roster lock. In a world where Anthony Schwartz puts it together mentally, physically, and emotionally, would him making the team possibly be in lieu of Marquise Goodwin, given they're vying for the same role in the offense? Well, that's a really, really good question. Because I know that the Browns, really don't want to give up on Anthony Schwartz yet if they don't have to. They want Anthony Schwartz to come out of the woodwork and show them uh, that he's got what it takes to be a football player in the NFL. And one of the reasons why they want that to happen, they really like him as a person. They like what uh, the work ethic that he has and what he, how he's been trying to overcome some of his struggles, both physically and emotionally. He, he has talked about having anxiety, performance anxiety on the field and things like that. So they really want to see him succeed. And also, he was a third-round pick. He was a third-round pick. That's a pretty high pick, and you want those guys to succeed. You don't want to be cutting those guys in their third season. So they they would love it if he can show those things. I don't know if he can. If he can't, then he, I think he can start out on the practice squad and see if he can work his way up. Now, another team might decide, hey, we need that kind of speed. We at least want to present a threat to another defense and we're going to pick up Anthony Schwartz and put him out there on the field just because of his sheer speed alone. So, you know, maybe it is taking a little bit of a risk to try to get him through waivers. Um, but I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I don't think it has to be either Marquise Goodwin or Anthony Schwartz. They might end up having to keep extra wide receivers this season 
just to accomplish what they're trying to do. And in that scenario, another position might have to suffer for it. And that's too, even though it's the other side of the ball, maybe that's where like linebacker injuries come in. If like a walk, mm-hmm. Anthony Walker's not ready or if Taki Taki's not ready, maybe that saves you. Maybe that gives you an extra spot on the offensive side of the ball, uh, especially if you are going to play more safeties. Um, it, it maybe gives you some flexibility there. So it's going to be a very interesting roster, which is why I'm, I'm kind of excited to get eyeballs on this team at training camp to, to kind of see who's playing and where and, and sort of see how things develop. Okay, we've got a little bit of a downer here, and then we've got a fun one. Uh, Gary M. from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Hey, Mary Kay, do you expect many more players to be suspended for gambling on games? Gary says he'd hate to lose any of the Browns players. Of course, there was a wave of players uh, suspended recently. The Colts have the, the Colts had a number of players that, that got pinged for gambling. I guess at this point, you know, even though it, it feels like the rules maybe were a little, I don't know, maybe players didn't understand them all. Uh, maybe they just didn't know, you know, like you aren't allowed to gamble while you're in the facility, even if it's like on an NBA game, things like that. I feel like we're at a point now, though, where if you're a player and you don't know the rules that's kind of on you is that fair or or am I being a little unfair in that no I mean by now they need to know the rules and I know the Browns have been doing a good job of educating their players they've worked very very hard at it now when those players were getting suspended maybe the Browns players were not as well versed in all these rules as they are now but certainly since that time since everybody got uh you know the 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 heck scared out of them during that. Uh, They have been thoroughly educated on what to do. And again, they have to be educated heading to the Greenbrier because there's a casino right there. Not that we expect any, you know, to see anybody in it, but I mean, they need to know uh, the rules and they do. In addition to that, the NFL will be bringing in, uh, you know, legal experts and people to talk to players about it. So they will know exactly the ins and outs and it will be on them now. And if there's any doubt, then they have to ask. They have got to talk to a compliance officer and they've got to figure it out. But I think at this point, it seems to me that they should be in the free and clear in terms of this season and anybody getting suspended. I think they would know about that by now. And a good rule of thumb, this kind of goes for a lot of things in life. And especially if you're an NFL player, just put your phone down. Yeah. (laughs) Just, you know, it. You're at the Greenbrier. It's it's a work trip. You don't need to, to place a bet on that home run parlay or whatever. I don't know what you're betting on at the end of July anyway. But um, just you know, put your phone down. You've got a <laughs> you've got an NFL career to try to preserve. So there's there's one training point for everybody. Okay, this is a a fun one from Joe in London, Ohio. Hey, Mary Kay. In honor of Joe Thomas going into the Hall of Fame. Who are the likeliest candidates from each position group to have a Hall of Fame worthy career? And I always kind of cringe a little at this because Hall of Fame is like, whoa, that's huge. That's a big deal. But there are legitimately some guys on the Browns who, when they hang it up, if they continue with what they've done, they're at least, you're at least going to be making a case in that room. You know, there'll be semifinalists at least, and you'll at least be saying like, this is why this guy should be on there. So I mean, Nick Chubb, right, mm-hmm. is an obvious one if he continues. Joel Batonio on the line. Is there anybody else on on the line that that we would include? Um, um, you know, no, I don't. I don't think so. There's nobody else on the line. 
Um, but yeah, Joel Batonio, if he keeps up this way and has longevity and just keeps going and going and going and keeps making all, the all pro team and, and pro bowls, uh, certainly he would be under consideration. It's very hard to make it as a guard. I will tell you that it is really, really hard because you're going up against the, uh, you know, the more marquee position of tackles, but, um, so yeah, Joel Batonio would be somebody under consideration. Of course, we know Miles Garrett would be uh, someone to be thought about in those terms. But again, he knows it. He doesn't have the credentials right now. It's very difficult to make the Hall of Fame as a defensive end, and he needs to do some more. It would be very helpful if he could help lead his team to the playoffs a couple more times, if he can get an NFL Defensive Player of the Year, um, you know, an, an all-decade team. He, you know, he needs a few more things and he needs some more, he needs some more pro bowls. Um, so, and some more all pros. So he's got a ways to go and, you know, he's going to be around for a while. And I, I certainly think he can do it. He's got hall of fame talent. There's no question about that. He just had a couple of years where, uh, you know, he was suspended for the one year and, you know, he's had some injuries that have kind of hampered him a little bit, but most of that seems to be behind him. I think he can get there. You know, Nick Chubb, again, is somebody that, you know, that you would look at as, as a possibility. And then, um, and then I would say, you know, Amari Cooper, if he continues to have a really great career, make some more Pro Bowls, have some more 1,000 yard seasons, he's somebody that will be under consideration down the road. Yeah, Amari flies under the radar, but you just look at, at the numbers he's put up, you know, a lot of let's see, one, two, three, four, 1100 yard seasons, plus uh, two more thousand yard seasons, uh, 55 career touchdowns. He's at 8,236 yards. Uh, he's only 29. He just turned 29. And I feel like he's just, he's flown under the radar because, you know, in Oakland, his career, he had a good start to his career, but he had some drop issues in Oakland. And then he gets traded to Dallas and um, has a nice run there. I think winning for a lot of these guys would help too. Like I think if Amari Cooper is this team's number one receiver and they go to the AFC championship game, there's going to be a lot of people talking about Amari Cooper after this season and like, Hey, how come we didn't realize Amari was this good? Um, I, I, I could see that happening. And I did see today. I think the Madden rankings are starting to come out and I think I saw they had him ranked 10th mm-hmm. uh, among receivers. So there were a couple guys ahead of him that I would maybe argue he could, he could be ahead. He should maybe be ahead of them, but um, I, I think Amari is a very underrated player. Yeah, I was happy to at least see him in the top 10 because yeah. a lot of times Browns players just kind of get overlooked for one reason or another. Uh, reputation and not winning has a lot to do with that. But when you are paired with a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, and if those two stay together for the next how many ever years, uh, I really think it can uh, it can give Amari that boost and maybe kind of get him over the hump a little bit to where he would need to be seriously considered um, for the Hall of Fame. And, you know, if, if he has, like I said, a few more of those 1,000-yard seasons, nine touchdown seasons, uh, you know, that's, that's going to get you talked about a lot. And the other name we need to mention is Deshaun Watson. He's got yep. that talent. He's got that talent. Right. It's just going to be about longevity and quarterbacks more than anything else are judged by winning and what they accomplish. And of course, he's also playing in an era where there's going to be a ton of competition, like of all these guys kind of retire around the same time frame. And, and he's got to get back to the player he was in Houston. But if he is that player, 
and he's that player for another eight to 10 years and he wins here in Cleveland, he's going to put himself in that discussion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he for sure has Hall of Fame talent. We can see that just by watching him practice and play games. You can see, uh, you know, the agility, the arm talent, and all of those kinds of things. And I'm very anxious, I know you are too, to see what what he is this season. You know, I, I really, really wonder now that he's got everything around him and he's got the supporting cast and he's got the, you know, the coaching geared towards him. You know, is he going to be that player? But certainly he has Hall of Fame physical ability. And, uh, you know, you need to win. You need to you need to get some Super Bowls on that resume. And it's certainly not going to be easy when you have Patrick Mahomes in, in your way, when you've got Josh Allen in your way, when you've got Joe Burrow in your way. Um, but, you know, that's what he's going to need to do. He's need to, He's going to need to step up and get some of those Super Bowls on that resume. And if he can do that, and like you said, another, you know, three, four Pro Bowl seasons, anything can happen. He has that kind of talent, which is the point of the whole trade. And, and it's really kind of the story of this season now is Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson getting back on the field and what, what that does for the ceiling of this team. And of course, we're going to cover it all as we go along on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast uh, at cleveland.com slash browns on our YouTube channel. You go to YouTube, search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com, uh, get subscribed to that. Um, I do want to give a shout out. I don't know if he's going to be listening to this, but uh, our videographer, Dave Anderson, I don't know if we've mentioned this before on the pod, but he is retiring. Uh, Normally he puts together videos off this podcast that you can see on our YouTube channel, but no more. He's calling it a career. Uh, Dave Anderson, who's got some, you know, we have a photo software service or where all the old plain dealer photos, things like that. And you can see some old black and white Browns photos of Brian Sipe and Bernie Kosar with Dave's credits. And then uh, of course he became a videographer as, as the world kind of changed around journalism. Uh, and he's been doing a great job making us look good, Mary Kay. So Dave, you said you were going to become a podcast listener now and you haven't officially retired, but um, I do want to make sure this is like your test. If you're listening, uh, you, you can let us know, but definitely want to give a shout out to Dave who, behind the scenes has been doing a lot of great work and, and a lot of people don't know his name. Yeah. I, I would love to chime in on that, Dan. I mean, he's just been so phenomenal. He's a perfectionist. He puts so much heart and soul into his work. He's been amazing. Uh, you know, he, he works as hard as, as anyone and he's always behind the scenes and he never uh, gets the credit for it, but he certainly deserves it. And all of those stand-ups that we do out there every day at practice, rain or shine. He's watch he's out there watching the weather, figuring out, you know, on the radar how much time we have before we're gonna get dumped on out there. Uh, he always works really, really hard to light me up nicely and try to make me look good. And I greatly appreciate that. Um, and so we're gonna miss him terribly. I don't know what we're gonna do without him. We're all Dan, I know a lot of the, you know, the video stuff is going to, uh, you know, fall on you because you're so, you know, just technically and digitally sound that way and so good in all those areas. Um, and I'm, I promised you today that I will, I will help because I do embrace the technology, Dan, yes, as we know. Yes. As someone once said on the record in a story about Mary Kay. Exactly. <laughs> but we will miss Dave terribly. We will absolutely miss him terribly. Dave, we hope that you will be listening every single day. And again, thank you for everything that you've done for us. 
Yes. And, and Dave has also uh, been sort of beholden to our schedules here for the last however long, you know, our schedules and the Brown schedule and, you know, when we're ready to do stuff and it doesn't always match up. So Dave, now you get to do whatever you want, whenever you want, uh, but it's, it's all yours. So uh, certainly happy for you. And we are going to miss you here at cleveland.com for sure. Okay. That'll do it for this edition of the podcast. Become a football insider subscriber, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up for that. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.